Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, July 14th, in the year 2022, it doesn't get much better than today because I am re-teaming up with a Hall of Fame team member here, an honorary team member, a guy who wears his gold jacket, freshly ironed, brought to him anywhere he goes because he's such a great contributor over the years, not just to us, but to the world of the NFL. He's a part of the Pro Football Writers uh, as a gilder or association or, or Hall of Fame voter or you name it, anything related to the NFL, this guy provides it. By now, you guys all know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the man behind the NFL Draft Bible, which is now a product of Sports Illustrated, Rick Saratella. Rick, what is up, my friend? Man, Mike, I'm going to have to get my pimp cane after that introduction. What's happening? <laughs> 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 oh, man, uh, we miss having you. We're glad to have you. We know that you're super busy, so it's an honor to be able to get you for uh, for a few minutes of your time so we could chop it up and have some fun. And I say fun because I know that baseball is kind of like your, your girlfriend. Um, you don't get as much yeah. of an opportunity, obviously, to chime in on baseball. So this is going to be hopefully a treat for you. But before we dig into all things about the boys in summer. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with you, what to look forward to as training camps get started later in the month, early next month, and uh, and on into the NFL season. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, I'm fresh off the Jersey Shore, literally just got out of the shower, washing the sand out of all my cracks, and I'm just happy to be here, man, chopping it up, breaking it down, talking some football, uh, we're going to be, you know, ending the summer this weekend because Monday we have the Big Daddy Celebrity Golf Tournament out in Long Island. We're going to catch up with Joe Shane, the Giants GM out there. Tuesday I'll be down in Philadelphia, WABC, for the press conference of my new radio show launching August 29th. I'll be on six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time on Jacob Media. I can't wait for that. Buckle up. And then August... <clears throat> Right before the show launches on August 29th, I'm going on about a 25-day scouting trail road trip for the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. And then, oh, by the way, we'll be doing some more hub football camps and some transfer portal camps. And so, man, it's a can't-stop, won't-stop situation here on July 14th. Did they find a way to clone you that I don't know about? Because how could you do all of what you just said? <laughs> Impossible. Impossible. But I guess if anybody can make that possible, it's Rick Saratella, of course. So before we get into some um, into some Yankee talk, which I know you've been waiting on, you know how much it pained me, by the way, to do the show promo with the Yankee players, but I had to do it because you're gracious enough to be on with us. I got to give them props. They're in first place, but we got plenty of time to talk about those jerks from from uh, from the Bronx uh, shortly here. That's record in um, baseball. Best record in baseball for sure. Got to give them their props. We'll see what happens after, uh, you know, seeing how bad Severino's injury is or whatnot. But before we get into all that, 
you know, NFL obviously is your core business. There, there have been a lot of moves this off season. It almost feels like maybe one of the more frantic, chaotic off seasons in football that I remember in a long time. Obviously, in basketball, there's always like every three or four years is a big free agency year. Uh, baseball every year, winter meetings. NFL is not necessarily a uh, a league that has a lot of superstar movement. But we got that this year since you and I last talked, Russ, whether it be Russell Wilson or the Cheetah, what moves or even Devonte Adams to the Raiders? I mean, I could go on and on and on. What moves really surprised you? Which ones are you looking forward to seeing? You know, do, do Carr and Devonte reconnect like their old Fresno State days or uh, maybe some of the defensive players that have moved around. You got Khalil Mack in San Diego. Well, in Los Angeles, I'm still saying San Diego. Um, there's so many, I, I can't even wrap my head around them. What are some of the ones that are more intriguing for you? Yeah, well, I, I like the Khalil Mack uh, with the Chargers there because I've, I've been pegging the Chargers for like the last three years to be to hump, so maybe Khalil Mack uh, helps get him there because he's still only 30 years old. He's a five-time All-Pro, uh, as a matter of fact, just recently as two years ago. So I really like that move. I thought uh, the Tom Brady retirement for 41 days, obviously, <laughs> that was a fun one. Uh, so I'm excited to see, you know, how does this scenario play out? Because I don't think Tampa Bay is as locked and loaded as the past two years when they made a run. Uh, Nadama Kong Sue is still out there. I heard he might sign with the Browns. You got Odell Beckham Jr. still kind of hanging out. Baker Mayfield down in Carolina just happened. So, I mean, I think Matt Ryan is kind of the one, because as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson's kind of stole the headlines. Russell Wilson's been getting headlines. Uh, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo's been getting but Matt Ryan's brought this presidential kind of presence to the Colts. And I think they could be kind of a dark horse contender in the AFC there. But I do like the Dolphins with that new little nerdy coach. And I do, you know, I do think the Chargers could be that team once again, maybe, possibly. We'll, we shall see. It's, it's going to be a really unpredictable NFL season. I mean, I'm sure everybody's saying that already. But just even look at the, uh, the division that we've maybe spent the most time on in a few short minutes here, the AFC West. You know, do the Chargers, uh, do the Chiefs take a step back? I think that they could. Do the Raiders take a step forward? I think that they could. The Chargers have definitely solidified uh, some areas of need. That's for sure. Um, what about the Broncos getting Russell Wilson? As of right now, I don't even know how to predict it. We've got time to do so. But, I mean, would you be shocked if the Chiefs were either first place or last place? Or if the Chargers were either first place or last place, it's a hard division to peg, isn't it? Well, you know, I think that there's going to be some transition with Russell Wilson in Denver with all the great things he brings. Maybe if they get on a run at the end of the season, everything clicks and it could be okay. But I, I do think they're going to need a year to transition there. So to me, the Raiders, I think, you know, Carr is the worst quarterback in this conference. I'm not as big as the Devontae Adams move as everybody else is. I, I think there's still a lot of kind of mystery there in terms of how you spread the ball around and incorporate him into the offense. We shall see. I could be completely wrong. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. I think this Justin Herbert is really a star in the making. I think he could blossom this year. It would not surprise me if the Chargers pull off the division. I don't think the Chiefs 
finish in last, but I, I would not be surprised if the Chargers win that division. Yeah, hard, hard to argue with anything that you just said there. Um, the NFC East maybe gets the most attention possibly in, in all of football because of, you know, New York and Dallas. Um, I haven't seen anything electric to suggest to me that them or or, or, or Washington uh, or, or Philly uh, necessarily have what it takes to be a Super Bowl contender. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. I'm not looking at a Super Bowl contender in this division, but uh, to me, the, the Eagles are the clear-cut favorites. I know uh, Vegas sees it differently with the Cowboys. However, Nick Sariani, only rookie head coach to take his team to the playoffs last year. Jalen Hurts is on the rise. He's not a franchise quarterback in my book, but he's he's on the rise. And they added A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis uh, and Nicobe Dean in the third round. I mean, they had an incredible draft to add to the kind of foundation they had already built, I thought the Eagles really improved themselves the most this offseason. Amari Cooper departs Dallas. Now all of a sudden, CeeDee Lamb is the number one. Michael Gallup's the number two. That offense doesn't look the same to me. And so I thought the Eagles really and, – and, oh, by the way, they've got the – they all – they all have an easy schedule because they play in the NFC East, but the Eagles have like one of the easiest schedules in the entire league, and I think that's going to play to their advantage. And then lastly, before we move on from football and get some dessert with baseball, the NFC West, in my opinion, last year was the best division in football. I know that could be argued, but you know the, the Rams obviously took it all. Uh, the Niners probably outperformed uh, many – prognosticators expectations um, because of uh, a very unpredictable offense and a sound defense, even though they're fairly banged up. And even though going into this year, we still don't know for sure who's going to be under center. Uh, the, the Cardinals seem to be, you know, maybe a player or two away, although I question their head coach in a lot of his moves. Um, and then of course, Seattle took a step back by losing their franchise quarterback you know, it's hard. Pete Carroll's a hard guy to predict, and sometimes he's able to resurrect things uh, when you least expect it. W- what are your thoughts about the NFC West? Yeah, I mean, Seattle's done a good job of kind of reloading and rebuilding on the Superfly, but I think the Magic Carpet Riders run out here. I mean, Drew Locke, Geno Smith, give me a break. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be taking a seat on the sidelines and watching the playoffs from the couch. Kyler Murray is a really big deal from what I understand. It's still a big issue, and and maybe that's kind of gone away from the, the mainstream media because of all the other quarterbacks in the headlines. But to me, that contract is still a big issue. It still wouldn't surprise me if Kyler Murray is not suited up in week one for the Arizona Cardinals. So I'll be wow. keeping an eye on, on that. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, San Francisco – you know, they got them Hollywood Brown over there to kind of make up and, and feel good about himself. But well, we shall see. Uh, the 49ers, I think there's a lot of ifs there, right? Like Debo Samuel, he, he's got his panties in a bunch and, and is feeling mm-hmm. uh, unwanted. And then, you know, Trey Lance to me is like the biggest X factor in the league, the, the, maybe the biggest unknown in the sure. league. And what's he going to do, right? And so to me, the Rams are clearly still the team to beat in the entire National Football League. One last NFL thing. I know I said the NFC West was going to be the last one. Do you think Deshaun Watson sees the playing 
field this year? Because I don't. Especially after <coughs> NFL... Uh, now, I'm not talking morality or anything like that. I don't want to necessarily get into that, and I don't want to adjudicate any of the situations. Although, when there's smoke, there's fire. When there's 20-something-odd women that are saying this or that, you know, you got to listen. Uh, but just from a league perspective, they have the unfortunate timing of going after MLB and Trevor Bauer. And we've seen that the Trevor Bauer situation involving just one woman where it's what was questioned was whether or not there was a, you know, uh, that she wanted to play ball with some of their uh, erotic decisions that were a little bit on the violent side, perhaps Uh, here we're talking about 20 women who uh, their consent is maybe ambiguous. How, how does he see the playing field this year without the NFL taking a really big black eye, especially because, They've taken a stance when it comes to social issues. They've kind of dug their heels in more than ever in the past. I don't know. Again, am I wrong that I don't expect to see him see the playing field? And the part B of that question is this. If he doesn't, then how hard can we come down on the Cleveland Browns in their due diligence leading up to this? Because it seemed like there were a lot of suitors ultimately backed off you got to wonder if they knew something that the cleveland browns security personnel couldn't uncover your thoughts well first of all i think you know the cleveland gm is really not a football guy let's just put that out there first yep yep uh i will say that the comments that follow are just what i'm hearing they're not my personal opinion they're just what i'm hearing and so if I'm hearing from very reliable sources that the biggest smoking gun is yet to even come on Deshaun Watson, well, that means there could be more to come. And if I'm hearing that, well, then I'm sure that the folks over on Park Avenue are hearing that. And so do why do they have to be rushed and forced to make a decision? To me, and, and just what I've heard is he'll get eight to ten games, not the entire season. And to me, now, that's what I heard, okay? I'm not saying it's right, wrong, indifferent, whatever. At the end of the day, if you can help a team win football games, we already know that's what the NFL is about. Let's not play games there. For me, what I would like to see, if if I was Roger Goodell, if I was the commissioner of the NFL, I would say, you know what, Deshaun? You know what, Cleveland? Hmm, you're only on the books for $1 million this year. You know what? Check this. We're going to take the season to keep reviewing. You go ahead and play this year out. You go play for that $1 million And, uh, yeah, you know what? You, you, can, you can deal with the courts and the lawsuit and miss your practices because you got to be at court. Then you got to come to practice and deal with the media and answer their questions every single day. You know what? To me, that's purgatory. To me, that's a worse punishment. To me, that's, that's penalizing the Browns even more because now you've got a game plan each week while your while your quarterback's going through a jury trial. So that's the punishment, and then and you could come back when his salary goes up next year to forty million. Then I drop the hammer for the year suspension. That's just how I would do business. So it almost sounds like you're kind of coming down a little bit on Cleveland for even making this decision when uh, when there was so much information out there. So hey, we're gonna jab you when we can using this tactic. And Deshaun, you're going to get your punishment in due time as well. I think that's kind of a win-win all the way around. Although I, I do think that there will be some um, 
you know, let's just say advocates, women's rights advocates out there that are going to be very upset that he would even see the playing field this year. But like you said, if you pin it on, well, hey, cares, we're going to wait and see how the this year and next year, if they understood the bigger picture that you'd that's be penalizing true. them forty million instead of one million, I think that to me is the hit, right? And and Cleveland, they want to play funny games. Well, hey, you want to get all creative and structure a contract? They did do their homework. They they assumed there would be a suspension, and they structured a contract to, be, to to see it that way. So to me, it's like, hey, I'm getting both of you suckers, and anybody who's got a problem with that doesn't understand the bigger picture. Great points. Great points, plural. I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything that you just said. Uh, I think the reality of it is anytime that you're waiting for the courts to be able to address a situation as well is, is an admission that you want to see more under oath testimony. Um, that It's hard to argue against that. It's hard to argue against somebody saying, hey, we want to see what the district attorney's got and those who are bringing the charges have got as well. That way we don't do too light of a penalty. That way we don't you know, come down too hard unnecessarily. I think that uh, using the Rick Saratella strategy would be brilliant under the circumstances. Speaking here, of Rick's here. brilliance, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, it's true. Uh, the way you laid that out was better than anything that I've heard from any other media member. So I'll, I'll take I'll take that any day of the week. Um, and that's why we got you on the show, because you come in with takes that not, uh, nobody else comes up with. So with that said, let's keep you guys all hanging for a few seconds. Let's take a quick commercial timeout. We'll come back. More Rick Saratella. But we're going to give him an opportunity to talk about his passion, which is baseball. We'll have David Gascon coming up probably in about five minutes here. He is a play-by-play radio personality, all the above for Fox Sports, FS1, and Bally Sports West. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. 
It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the second segment on the Mike Abadir Show privilege to have on with us rick saratella and you guys got a glimpse if you haven't listened to the show in a while or haven't heard rick for a while you know why we love having him he brings it he's got well thought out takes uh he is as legitimate as they get when it comes to nfl insiders glad to have him back um we're going to be talking some baseball in a few short moments with david gascon from fox um rick Leaving leaving the NFL world and into the baseball world, I know how big of a Yankee fan that you are. You got to be delighted with what they're doing in the first half of the season. It's really an unbelievable thing that they're doing, especially when you're talking about the AL East. Rick, did you know that after Baltimore's win yesterday, every single team in the AL East is over 500, including the Baltimore Orioles? I did know that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what a, what a division. And, um, you know, this was the year where I came in with very low expectations for the Yankees and compared to previous years, I didn't think the starting pitching was really built to win. They've proved me wrong. Uh, Aaron judge and Mike Stanton have both stayed relatively healthy. That really hasn't happened consistently. And, you know, Anthony Rizzo, what a uh, – talk about catching lightning in a bottle. I mean, this guy has just been lights out, uh, smashed the baseball, and you think about uh, Murder's Row. I mean, Judge, Stanton, and Rizzo have got 75 homers combined, and we're not even at the All-Star break. That's unbelievable. Yeah, they're they're bashing really big time. And, uh, you know, here's the thing about what makes what they're doing extra special – is that they plugged in guys, like you said, you're a New Yorker, you're an East Coaster, you've been a diehard Yankee fan for a lot of, many, many years, but you came into this season unsure about what you could expect from them, despite having the big names and the bashers. Looks to me like there were some surprise guys like Nestor Cortez who came in, guys like that, and the Yankees have been able to get the best of them. And the question for me is going to be, what does their second half look like? Are they going to be able to maintain the same pace? Or are they going to, I, I, you know, I wrote down on my notes the word fizzle. Uh, although I'm not sure that they're going to fizzle, but if they, you know, aren't playing at the same level, they're, you know, even if, if they're even probably play 500 the rest of the way out, they probably have a pretty good chance of winning that division. But just as unexpected as how high they're playing the entire division, man, 500 ball from every single one of them, including the Baltimore Orioles. We'll dig into that a little bit, but I want to bring in my man, David Gascon. You guys have heard him before. He's been on with us a handful of times in the past. We love having him. His insight is 
fantastic, especially when it comes to all things L.A., as well as things nationwide as well. And that's why he's with FS1, Fox Sports, uh, Valley, Sports West, Fox Sports Radio. There are many ways to hear him, including on the Mike Abadir Show. David, you're on with Mike and Rick Saratella. How are you, bud? I'm doing all right, man. I'm in a different scene, though. I, I went from the West Coast to the East Coast for a little bit. So I'm, uh, I'm in the, uh, the cold-hearted area of, of, like, Fort Lauderdale and Miami, South Beach. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a different animal. But you, you said all that stuff on the, on the resume, man. I guess I forgot to tell you that I've been doing a lot of CONCACAF and a lot of USL stuff, too. Oh, nice. nice. Okay, well, poor you for being in the uh, Miami area. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that oh. doesn't suck at, at all. And so is, is soccer what's taking you out to the uh, East Coast right now? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was one of those things where I had an opportunity to work for, for ESPN and do some, some other contract work for them. So I, I was out here at the beginning of, of May, and I've been back and forth between Florida and California. And so uh, I've been doing a lot of play-by-play work for ESPN, and part of it's been the – I've been doing the CONCACAF. I've been doing the CONCACAF U20. So I had the United States and Cuba a few weeks ago. And then I've been doing USL championship action. And then on top of that, uh, the NWSL. So uh, I was going to see Alex Morgan down in San Diego. I called her first match. And, um, of course, obviously the men, other things. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting seed. You know, obviously with soccer on the come, it's, uh, it's trying to be as competitive as it is with National Football League and college football and everything else. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice that you have these developmental leagues because we were kind of robbed of that with Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball when he decided to cut the farm systems across the entire U.S. So, you know, when one league's adding soccer, the other one's taking uh, developmental baseball away. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, when I was uh, prepping Rick a little bit on some of the topics for today, we were thinking that there was going to be a lot of baseball, and we got some time for that, of course. But, you know, Rick, let's yeah. uh, let's take advantage, talk a little soccer here. First of all, for you personally, is there an opportunity maybe to uh, head to the Middle East come November, call a game or two? Is that maybe in the works for you? Man, I would, I would love that, but I think that the way that the talent is typically assigned and broken down, I think they usually have that stuff well out in advance, usually a year or two, especially with those kind of announcements. And, uh, you know, considering the fact that the work that I've done for FS1 has been more on the college basketball uh, side of things, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see that as a possibility right now, but it's certainly something I'm vying for in the next couple of years with, with the World Cup coming to the United States and different parts of Mexico and Canada, I'd love to. It's, uh, it's a different, uh, it's a different feel for me. Um, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, being a hockey, football, baseball, and basketball guy, and so to call those four sports at the professional and collegiate level now migrating to soccer, um, I feel like I have a different voice than something that's typically called and serenaded on the pitch. And um, I don't know, I get, I get some interesting responses, needless to say, but I feel like <laughs> as a, I feel like as an American, when you watch North American soccer, it's just a different speed than when you watch it in the European levels. And in particular, the English Premier League, it's, I was compared to driving in a Toyota Camry and then going into a Ferrari. And that's no disrespect to the, to the talent that's here in the United States, but guys that have just 
been competing and training since they were youth in Europe. You could just see the elevation in their game, and they have that extra gear. It's it's no different than you get European basketball players that come and play in the NBA or you know, Japanese or South Korean baseball players that come in the U.S. It's just a different beat. Well, speaking of which, and uh, you mentioned L.A. Obviously, this show is out of L.A., so I'm a fellow L.A. guy, although originally from the Bay Area. Got to give uh, some representation props there. The uh, All-Star Game. All-Star Game, you know, obviously L.A. is the entertainment mecca of the world, Hollywood. But starting with the Super Bowl, L.A. is going to have a nice run. You know, between uh, what happened uh, at SoFi for the Super Bowl on through the All-Star Game uh, coming up here at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles onto the uh, World Cup and the Olympics, we're going to have a nice stretch of uh, sporting events here. You'd mentioned the Japanese. How about Shohei Otani? I think that's a good starting point for any discussion when you're talking about All-Stars and the All-Star team. There was a stretch of a couple of days here in Los Angeles as he plays for the Angels, of course, where he had a couple of home runs and I think it was seven or eight RBI. And then the very next day he popped the 10 strikeout mark with a one hitter. What if, yeah, what I can't even put Shohei Otani into words because he occupies two rosters at an all-star level at each spot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating because when you look at him and you just look at his stature, you think, all right, he's a Major League Baseball player. The guy could probably play like as a tight end or a wide receiver in the National Football League. And then all of a sudden you put him on the bump and then he starts throwing everything at, you know, at you, including the kitchen sink. And you're like, man, this is like our modern day version of Babe Ruth. And obviously we're at that age where we were never – able to see Ruth play at least live on, on tape or in person, but you always hear those folklore stories about him. And when people talk about the greatest baseball players of all time, you know, Babe Ruth is, is one, if not two. And I think that when you, when you watch him play, I mean, he does everything right. And I, I can't help but think that he feels like when I watch him swing the bat, it's like Ichiro just times three. Um, with the way that he just swings, pulls action to the right side of the field. Um, you know, it's kind of graceful. It's eloquent. He's polite. And for all intents and purposes, he's, he's a humble man. Um, and I think just like it is with Mike Trout, the only thing that can get in front of this dude is the injury bug. You know, there was issues with him before his transfer to the United States, but he had elbow problems and that, he would need Tommy John surgery and he had plasma treatment that was done. And so his first year in Anaheim, he was able to make it through at least to get through a decent portion of the season without injury. But, you know, the torque on the arm, the usage rate overseas, um, that obviously impacted him. And so they had to put him on the shelf. And with that being said, this is a guy that people hope the angels would get. And I think the most frustrating thing now is when you think about Shohei Otani and you think about Mike Trout, and now, obviously, the addition last year of Anthony Rendon is, can this team get in the postseason? Because it's a complete disservice to not have the two best players in all of Major League Baseball sitting on the pine or being at home in the month of October. And, you know, for all the raving and glory and glamour that the Dodgers and the Yankees deservedly get, you have to get the two best players 
in the league on the center stage. I mean, that's like saying that like LeBron James, whether he's in LA or in Miami or Cleveland, would never get to the NBA playoffs, let alone the NBA finals. You know, imagine if that was the case for Brady or Rogers or back in the day, like Montana and Elway and Marino. And then just, you know, Dan Marino never got back after his first time getting there. And so these guys need to get postseason action. They need to be in these pressure, tense situations, high leverage. And it's just frustrating to see that the way that the Angels started the year to not only tailspin, but the belly flop and then fire Joe Madden. And now they're just swimming upstream without a paddle, it feels like. Yeah, and I know that my man Rick here is probably chomping on the bit to shift over to some Yankee talk. Uh, they're they're playing lights out. And we were talking about the Yankees before you came on, David. And the question that I posed to Rick, I'll pose to you the same thing. And then I'll let Rick jump in because I've been dominating the conversation here. Is can they keep up this torrid pace? Because I think they've gotten so much out of a lot of guys that you would expect to deliver at such a high level, like Nestor Cortez. I mean, as a rookie, a lot of times you see in Major League Baseball that you, you face teams the first time, maybe even the second time, and there isn't a, a thick book on you. But by the time you start facing teams and now they've got advanced scouting and stuff, you know, it's hard as a rookie to keep delivering great outings, time in, time out each and every game, especially once you start getting into pressure-filled situations in uh, late August and early September. Quick thoughts on the Yankees so far. And can they keep keep doing it? Yeah, I think they can. And part of the reason, I mean, you can can point to analytics, you can point to scouting reports, you can report to the advanced metrics on these guys. But don't forget, for as much numbers and as much scouting that you can get and tape that you see on these guys, don't forget that as productive as they are, the one thing that you can't scale is their confidence. So while someone might think, okay, well, the rest of the league is going to catch up to these guys, keep in mind their confidence has not only been growing, it's been building and it's accumulating. And so when you get into July, August, September, and then eventually October, these guys are going to feel bulletproof. And there's no reason not to feel bulletproof. You're playing in the largest media market in the country. You have good protection at the dish. And you know what? You're looking at Stan, you're looking at Judge. When was the last time these guys were healthy like this? You know, that you put those things together and all of a sudden you don't become a threat in the American League. You can become a threat in Major League Baseball. That's why they've been the top team, them and the Dodgers back and forth. I mean, obviously, like two weeks ago, you know, Vegas books changed them to the odds-on favorite. But I'll say in this defense for anybody else that's listening, especially with Rick being a Yankee guy, I, I'm not going to put my money against Tampa. I mean, I, I thought five years ago Tampa would be on the come because of their farm system, because of the arms that they have. Uh, you know, this was back when Blake Snell was there, Tyler Glasnow was there, and now McClanahan. You know, like, if you get the Yankees in a short series and you have two aces, this is just like the Nationals a couple years ago. They had the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball, but they had Scherzer and they had Strasburg, and they went toes with everybody, and they took it all. And that's what you need in a short series. And so you have to be on the side of caution of the Yankees because, I mean, for as hitting heavy as they are, they have good arms but can those gut arms win them a series if their bats aren't alive? No, that's exactly right. What's up, Dave? Rick Saratella here listening to you, man. And, uh, you know, you you made a lot of good points because here in New York, uh, you'll you'll listen to the sports talk radio. And and, in theory, the Mets have a better roster built for the postseason if DeGrom 
can come back yeah. and pair him with Scherzer, you got two aces that can just mow down opponents. And so the home field advantage is going to be good for the Yankees because they can't afford to go into one of these wild card uh, one game playoff scenarios and then go into another series down an ace because they don't have that mm-hmm. shutdown guy. Garrett Cole is the regular season shutdown guy. He has not been the postseason shutdown guy. And I will say that, yeah, maybe maybe they're confident, but they're not confident when it comes to the Astros because they just played a four-game series. They lost two of those games. They blew leads in two of those games. The Astros still have their number. The Astros are still the team to beat in this American League until they ain't. I will say this about the fizzle. You know, while you say, hey, how can they sustain the pace? Let's remember, Joey Gallo is not going to be on this roster. Uh, ben Attendee from Kansas City might be. But DJ LeMahieu really yeah. hasn't started hitting. Uh, you got a couple other bats there just kind of laying in the weeds that really haven't come around yet. And so uh, there's some guys who haven't clipped. Matt Carpenter has been a great addition. I think he'll J- – Josh Donaldson, they're paying $25 million a year, and he's hitting 225. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's, he's not even hitting his weight. And he's got – you know, so if right. these guys can start turning it around in the second half – Listen, the Yankees are going to be there. I agree with you. Tampa Bay gives them fits. That's the team that can really be a hindrance. And uh, Boston, I mean, at the end of the day, that team, you look at their lineup, they can put up uh, runs in bunches, and so you can't count them out either. Well, especially because yeah, I mean, they just got Toronto, Chris Sale right? back, like, Toronto's got all the offensive firepower in the world, too. So, like, when you look at Toronto, you're like, man, these guys are just a couple arms away from, like, being a real threat in the American League East. But to your point, too, Rick, people all – they look. Oh, they overlook those elements, and I think that's that's the problem. Is that looking at it just from like a Dodgers perspective? Last year, Cody Bellinger didn't hit his weight. Max Muncy this season's not hitting his weight. Justin Turner's barely hitting his weight. Not even that. And so, for all that the bad that you have with the Dodgers, and the same thing with the Yankees, you don't need to have these guys have career years to be effective. These guys are the top teams in their respective leagues, and these guys are still playing below par. So you don't even need to have an average second half of the season. You just need to have them be timely with what they do when they produce, yeah. whether it's defensively or offensively. And then all of a sudden, like you get in October, and that's what you need. I mean, you think about the other elements that come into play at home field advantage, right? Like you have Dodger Stadium, you have Great American Ballpark. Obviously, the Reds aren't going to be a threat in the postseason. They're not going to be there. But Yankee Stadium, you go to San Francisco, that could be a problem. You go to San Diego, that could be a problem. But how many ballparks truly provide – a home field advantage. And the American League side of things, Houston, Boston, New York, um, maybe Cleveland, but it's 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 rather limited. And so that's the big that's a big caveat if you if you're a Yankee fan is is obviously winning the division, having home field advantage, and then just writing what you've done all season long and and hopefully Aaron Bleep and Boone doesn't uh, doesn't cut you off with the knees. <laughs> I that's my one concern if I'm if I'm a Yankee fan, yeah. the one concern I have is Luis Severino. Like, obviously, um, being removed the other day, like, that's an area of concern for me because you can never have too much pitching, you know, especially when you get deep into postseason play. No Absolutely. doubt. I mean, and one could argue he's actually probably been one of our worst. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's no lights-out guy there. I don't know if a Ace Mauler shut him down, Justin Verlander type becomes available. I, I don't know who's on the market, but they're just going to have to roll the dice with who they have. And while it's not Max Scherzer, it's not Jacob DeGrom, 
they still have guys that can get it done. And who knows, maybe we'll be looking at a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. Maybe we'll finally get that rematch. We shall see. Yeah, and before, yeah, before we be let wild, you go, David, I, uh, I was going to ask you, for, for a revised World Series prediction, now that we're beyond the halfway mark in terms of games played, I started the year off with a prediction that looks half good and half terrible, which is the White Sox and the Dodgers in the World Series. I'm actually now revising that, of course, and not taking the White Sox. I'm going to go with the Astros. I think that they're, they've got the most balanced team, in my opinion. And I'm going to stick with the Dodgers, although the Mets, uh, the Mets are intriguing, like Rick said, if they've got that two-headed monster going in the playoffs. David, who you got? revised opportunity now to get it right. And I don't know who you had before the year, so maybe you're sticking with who you had. But what what do you have as a World Series prediction as of the halfway mark? Yeah, I'd love to go chalk. I'd love to be heavy chalk. I would go Dodgers and Yankees. I mean, it's what what the country would love to see. It's what the networks would love to see. And and frankly, it's what I'd like to see. I, I haven't been around long enough to watch the Dodgers and the Yankees play in a World Series. And so... It would be great for those nostalgic moments for, for our, our parents or our uncles or our living relatives that have seen some of those teams, whether it's from Brooklyn or L.A., play uh, the Yankees. And, you know, I haven't had the taste of New York, L.A. since the Kings uh, dropped the Rangers in 2014 in the cup final. And so, I, uh, you know, as a diehard L.A. guy, I, I hate New York with all the due respect in the world. Um, I'm not a New York guy. I'm not a Boston guy. And so that kind of healthy vitriol on a baseball diamond, I think would be good for the, uh, I think it'd be good for the nation. You know, we're, uh, we're in some interesting times as it is outside of the sports world. And it'd be nice to come together and have half the country hate LA and half the country hate New York. (laughs) That would be awesome. Wouldn't it? Well, as a Red Sox fan, even though I'm a Californian, uh, I, I would hate that the Yankees get there before the Red Sox, but how can you argue against the Yankees and the Dodgers at the World Series? The days of Billy Martin and, and Tommy Lasorda uh, resurrected in 2022, uh, that would be a thing of beauty. The two most prestigious franchises, arguably, in uh, not just in baseball, but maybe even in all of sports, to be able to go head-to-head, that would be awesome. David, we know you're busy. We know you're on assignment back east. I hope you, you're able to enjoy Miami, tough as tough as it may be. Why don't you let our listeners know how they could follow you and where they can check you out next? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, My Twitter handle is at David J. Gascon. Uh, you can follow me there, tweet at me. I'll message back at any time. Uh, most of the action I'm calling right now is on ESPN, so USL Championship Action, USL League One, and WSL, all that stuff, you know, but uh, – yeah, it was really kind of you guys to invite me on, talk a little shop, talk some baseball. It's, uh, I know we're in the dog days of summer, but uh, you guys would know this. Being in South Beach, it kind of feels like L.A. where my head is on a swivel nonstop. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of riches. I'll say that much. Well, I, uh, I, I wish I was there alongside to, uh, to let my, my head spin around a little bit because that sounds wonderful. Enjoy your time there, my man. We'll definitely look out for you. And uh, as, a, as a big fan of the sport of soccer, I think having, you know, younger Americans calling games and, uh, you know, we, we've got an opportunity to watch the, the, the sport of the world on, on so many different platforms now. Uh, I really hope to see that soccer is on the rise and uh, that you get some continued opportunities calling games and maybe even we'll see you in the World Cup uh, when it comes to the U.S., man. 
as always, thank you so yeah, much for joining us, David. It's always a pleasure to have you, and best you of luck, my man. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Rick, for the time. You guys have a good day. You too, man. Thanks, friend. David. I'll send you some Reggie bars. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so that is David Gascon, kind enough to join us for a few minutes, Rick. He's very knowledgeable. He's got a great voice for radio and for television. Always nice to have him on. So we spent a lot of time talking, obviously, about the Yankees. You gave us a uh, 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 reason to be optimistic as Red Sox fans. Don't know if you saw this, but Chris Sale came back, and he looked really sharp, Rick. Well, before we get to Chris Sale, I just want to say the Reggie Jackson three-home run game against the Dodgers is now, what, 40, 44 years ago. Okay. So Reggie Jackson's number... 44, <laughs> 44 years ago, they were throwing Reggie bars from the stands. But, uh, hey, man, I, I, I enjoyed that conversation, man. Dave is, is, a, is a hustler and a grinder, and you can tell that uh, that individual is, is, is just really just doing big things. So that was good to catch up with Dave. You want to talk He's some got Red a lot of Sox, versatility, man? too, you know? A lot of versatility to be able to do the crossover in yeah, the soccer. Really yeah, awesome. yeah. Well, that's what I love about this great – this great uh, uh, industry of sports and media, and you get to travel the world. And I know the listeners at home are saying, man, it must be nice, but you can tell, like, Dave's been doing his thing for a minute. Like, there, it's not all glitz and glamour. It takes a lot of hard work behind the scenes to get to the point of, of where he's at. So it's good to see that. Chris Sale putting in that work. And, you know, listen, they're going to need pitching. They've got the hitting. Uh you know, always take the over when the Red Sox and Yankees get together. I'll tell you what, Mike, I've been happy that they've been keeping the game under five hours. They've been getting games done now, like three hours, three and change. I've been very impressed with that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. They've had a pretty good flow of things. And uh, and I think that was definitely a key part of uh, Manfred's agenda. I know he's not a very popular commissioner, but at least he's holding true to that um you know, that commission of of making sure that these games are a little bit more fluid, get the attention of a younger generation and, and shorter attention spans and things of that nature. And for me, more the more baseball, the better. But there were times where these games just like, oh, my God, I don't have five and a half hours to spend, <laughs> to spend right. watching uh, some of these ball games. But, um, you know, the other thing I was going to mention is this, too. And David picked up on the uh, Tampa, you know, they're quietly doing Tampa things as always. Um, you know, yeah. Toronto had a really bad road trip coming off of a one and six road trip. They got swept in four by the Mariners. They've only won three games in the month of July. They had to fire their manager. It was a surprise for many. And the big surprise, obviously, is the Baltimore Orioles in that division winning 10 in a row. And I don't care who you're beating, winning 10 in a row in baseball is a tremendous feat, especially for a team that hasn't tasted success in a really long time like the O's. I want to pose to you, though, the same question that I posed to David, which is an opportunity to have a revised mid-year MLB prediction for the World Series. Who you got, my man? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know I'm going to roll with the Yankees. There's no doubt about that. And I would love to see the Mets or the Dodgers. I will say this. I mean, just to just to go a little bit off course here and throw some other possibilities. And he mentioned the Padres, who I don't know if San Diego's built to run the table. But every time, as I watch from a distance here at, from the Jersey Shore, 
every time San Diego and the Dodgers get together, it always they seem to have their number. They seem to play neck and neck with them. So I could see like San Diego being that team that knocks off the Dodgers, and dare I say, open up the door for a team like the Atlanta Braves. I mean, did we forget about those guys? I mean, they're just <laughs> they're there uh, on the rise, on the come up. I mean, I think the the Braves are really in prime consideration here. For sure, man. And, you know, big difference between this year and last year, obviously, is you got Acuna, and uh, he hasn't even tapped into uh, hitting his full stride as of yet. And then let's let's face it, the Freddie Freeman deal was a big deal. It maybe took a few months for the Braves to kind of get over that. You lose your, your biggest superstar. Not an easy thing, but, hey, let's face it, they were able to bridge the gap considerably with uh, with the New York Mets, who had a gigantic lead, they still lead in that division, of course. But the name of the game is to get into the postseason, and I think the Braves are on track to do that. Freddie's replacement, Matt Olson, he's a tremendous player, and I think it's taken him some time to acclimate out out of the Bay Area and into Atlanta and new ball club. We haven't seen him hit his full stride yet either, Rick. So I think the Braves are a very very interesting team to follow. They. Uh, they're, they're they've in been a, there. They're in a, they're, yeah, they've been there. They've done it. They kind of like you mentioned how the Astros are the you know they have the crown until they don't. So do the Braves. They have the entire. They won the entire thing. So yeah. it would be really silly to dismiss them. The other team that's kind of sneaky too are the Brewers. Man, they've got the best pitching in baseball. Somehow, some way, Council has his team always ready to play and outperform. I don't think that they've got enough hitting, but hey, man, they're they're probably the quietest division leader in all of baseball right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and that's not surprising considering the player council was right. And so, like, and and Dave mentioned home field advantage. Let's not forget Milwaukee now when they're in the hunt and they're in contention. That's an intimate stadium. That 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 home plate crowd is right on top of you there in Milwaukee and they won't sit down the entire game. So I I would love to see Milwaukee make a little run. And I didn't get a chance to chime into that angels conversation, but I'll tell you what, boy, I mean, especially living here on the East coast, it's a shame. It's really a sham that you got arguably the two best players playing out there with the angels, trout and and, and Otani and two thirds of the country never gets to see him because your games start at 10 PM. But that's the sleeping giant, right? They're eight games out of the wild card. Like if they can ever get it together, uh, I would love to see them in the wild card mix. And I'll say this, we were talking about, or Dave was talking about Otani being the modern day Babe Ruth. And I had to go check it out. Like, and granted different era, but Babe Ruth career batting average, a hundred points higher career ERA one run lower just goes to show what a tremendous player Babe Ruth was. Yeah, he was so much better than everybody else that he played with and against. That's for darn sure. I think the thing, when you look at it and you're trying to figure out what it means within a certain era, guy led the league in home runs. I would have thought that. Like, if you gave me an opportunity to wager on it before he did it, you know, he would not have been my first thought, second thought, or even 10th thought for who would get the home run crown in, in baseball. No, no way. 
you know, the guy looks much like a much more graceful player than the slugger that he is. And yet he's dealing 10 strikeouts. Mm -hmm. He's firing one hitters. He's doing things that all stars do. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to compare, tough to compare eras, but clearly he's one of the best hitters playing in 2022. And he's clearly one of the best pitchers pitching in 2022, all wrapped up in one body. But I totally agree with you, man. I'm not sure that the angels are a team that is going to be able to get these guys into the postseason. Why do I say that? Because they sign a lot of free agents who end up being busts. And I wish we had more time to talk about it, but you know, they're, they're getting, you know, um, the worst years out of Mark Teixeira or a Josh Hamilton or from the pitchers that they've gotten from the Texas Rangers or a Rendon, so on and so forth. Um, it's just not an organization that's got a championship pedigree, Rick. And uh, I, I hate to come down hard on them like that. Yeah. But, you know, there's always an opportunity to change that. Um, great conversation, though, Rick. We only have about a minute and a half. I love the layout of the land that you gave us at the top of the show in terms of what you're doing and what you got com coming up. Let's not forget to give uh, the listeners your handle for Twitter and anywhere else that they could follow you, buddy. Yeah, what a, I mean, time flies when you're chopping it up here on the Mike Avedir show. Another hour of power, but I, I think the best way to really just find out everything we do is on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible, and you can see all the affiliate handles and everything else. And of course, NFLDraftBible.com will take you to the Sports Illustrated uh, site there for all our NFL draft coverage. I did forget to say earlier, we launched UConn Illustrated as well with our buddy Jim Mora up there with the Huskies. And, and so give that a, a look. And uh, yeah, 46 days. I'll be on the airwaves, Jacob Sports Media, hitting the, the Philadelphia market, WABC Philly, ESPN Trenton will be in Philly, New York, New Jersey. Awesome, awesome, Get awesome. it on, man. Love we'll you, bring you in, Appreciate maybe you to having kick, me. Yeah, we'll bring you in, hopefully, to kick that off and to uh, yes. let our listeners know to tune in to you. That's all the time we have, folks. Thank you to David Gascon. Thank you to Rick Saratella. Thank you to you, the listener. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.